today. I'm there. I am. Um, we're so glad that you're here with us today. First and foremost, if you're a visitor here with us today for the first or second time, or just still trying to get us get to know us a little bit, we'd love for you to fill out a connection card. You can do that at the Welcome Center on your way out, or if you grabbed a bulletin on the way in, there's a QR code on the front, um, and we simply would just love to have that information so we can connect with you and make sure that you're getting connected to the church in whatever way um, that you'd like to do so. Um, we're going to do things a little bit different. So whether you're new or um, been with us for a while, this is going to feel new or different to you, and it's still going to be okay. Um, you know, a lot of people say stuff like, all the church ever talks about is money. And they're wrong. That's not it. We do talk about money sometimes, and if you've been around me a lot, you find out I don't talk about money a lot. But all we're going to talk about this morning is money. Um, not for this sermon. We've got a lot of great things going on. We're giving a preacher's license out today. We're baptizing a couple people, um, and, and we have a great worship set prepared for you as well. Um, but I say that just to say we do have a few different things going on um, surrounding the way that you give and, um, and to thank you for the way that you've given over the last year. And so we just want to point your attention to a few things. First off, if you gave to Capital City Church during 2022, your giving statements are available at the Welcome Center, and we'd love for you to pick those up because we need to mail them out at the end of the month if you have not. Um, so we're giving you two Sundays to try to pick those up just to make things more convenient, make sure they don't get lost in the mail. Um, and someone will be at the Welcome Center at the end of the service for you to grab that. They're in alphabetical order. We'll get you in and out on those. Please use those, take those, write them off on your taxes um, so that the government gets less of your money and you can give more of it to the church, right? Um, Next week is our kid power offering. This is something right now we're doing on a quarterly basis. If you weren't here for the last one or if you're unfamiliar with this, after the service, our kids, we have designated young guys and girls uh, from Children's Church, and they'll hang out at the exits with buckets like you're going to see in just a second, um, and they'll be collecting money for missions. Um, it is a contest um, between the boys and the girls, and the girls won last time, and the boys are not happy about it. So either continue to upset the boys or make the boys winners, whatever we need to do. Maybe next week we'll give a total out, Tara, so we can make sure that they know exactly uh, what they need to do. Um, but keep that in mind for next week. We talk about loose change, but honestly, it's a lot easier to count tens and twenties than nickels and quarters. So however you feel led to give submissions next week would be great. Um, and, and now um, what we're going to do is we're going to invite our ushers to come forward right now. Um, because, and, and this is to kind of right now, like they, they, they look to me like he's still talking. I don't know if I can stand up while he's talking. Our ushers are going to come forward right now because I want to start talking to you about what's going on. Ne this is the last time we're ever going to take up offering. Isn't that crazy? It doesn't mean you're going to quit giving, but it's a time we want to highlight the ways that you can give. You can give online through our website. You can give via our cash app, which is very popular, popular for a lot of people that use that, and it doesn't charge the church any fees. Um, but also, we're going, you're still going to be able to give in person, but we're going to be hanging uh, uh, collection boxes at the, at the various exits, so you can just slip your tithes and offerings into those boxes um, as you leave the service. We're still going to take time to acknowledge offering as a, as a moment of worship, and you see what I called them? They're trying to get straightened out. Like, it doesn't matter. We, you, we can use an extra one, ladies, if we were just scrambling because if, like, there's some people didn't make it in from with the snow, so I'm so glad that you're here. Um, but we're going to go to offering boxes next week, so we'll remind you that those are there. We'll make sure you know where they are. Um, but with this being the last time that we're kind of passing a bucket, so to speak, um, we thought that it would be a good time to remind you 
that offering is an act of worship. And so we're going to take offering as we sing this first worship song this morning. So we're going to ask you to stand just like we would during a normal worship set. And uh, just keep that in mind. Whether you gave online this week or you don't give every week or you give once a month, that you would just take this time to recognize that offering is an act of worship, that it's us returning back to God a portion of what he's done for us to say not only that we're thankful that he gave it to us, but that we acknowledge that he is the giver of all things. That's a big deal. Offering's way, way more about you than it is about the church, than it is about me. It's about a relationship between you and God to say, God, I believe and trust you with what you've given to me, and I'm going to show that by returning a portion of it back to you. So let me pray over this offering. Uh, give as you feel led or as you were prepared this morning, and then just begin to worship with uh, Colton and the team here as they've got a great set for us. Father, we thank you this morning that you've been so, so good to us. We are blessed beyond measure, God, and better than we deserve. I pray right now, Lord, that you would receive the gifts of your people that have given online uh, through, through uh, the Hope Central giving uh, functions, Lord, as they've given, mailed in their checks or are giving today. Lord, more than anything, we want you to be glorified through the use of these offerings, Lord, that we would continue to use these funds to empower this church, to reach this community, to reach those who come in and meet us for the first time, that they might hear the gospel message of Jesus and give their life to him. We thank you for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.
without hope no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested my life began ash was redeemed only beauty Yeah. 
space between where I used to be in this reckoning. I know I will never be. There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the seas. Should I ever need reminded of how I've been set Sure. 
Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle Cause I know that's where you'll be I'll count the joy come every battle no, that's where you'll be. kind of interesting. We just sang a song about fire, sang a song about rain, and he's both of those things. 
He's everything. When something in our life needs to go, when it needs to be burned up, he's there like an all-consuming fire to burn up those things that need to go away. He's there to bring light and heat. He's a source of life. But in the dry and weary times, he's a source of rain. We talk about the rain so much as a negative thing. It's another rainy day. But throughout history, rain has been a positive thing. Rain has been something that caused things to grow. It brought healing. It brought life. It brought sustenance to the people. As we stood there and just sang those few lines of that song this morning, I thought, God, I'm so sorry. I relied on so many other things for my sustenance besides you. In the spiritual sense, in the physical sense, whatever need was there, he was there to provide. And yet I've allowed my attention to be diverted to something else. I'm sure Colton's prepared for us to just sing that for just another minute or two. But as we sing it again, would you just think about those places that God wants to restore you? God wants to refresh you. He wants to bring new life to that thing that doesn't seem like it has any life left, that think, that seems like it's not going to make it. Father, this morning we are thankful for the healing rain that you sent. God, for the way that your spirit descends upon us in times of misunderstanding, in times of hardship, God, in times of failure and sin. Lord, that you're there. like water in a dry and weary land, Lord. You're the source of life, God. Eternal life that all could come to you, Lord. All could receive you, Lord. And that we could be that life-giving flow as well. That that Holy, same Holy Spirit that descends upon us, Lord, could flow from us, Lord, like living waters for others to receive. God, I know there's so many that are lacking today. And we pray this morning as we sing this song that all throughout this sanctuary, all those who are watching online would just call upon the name of Jesus. Lord, that they would pray that prayer that to be filled again with the Holy Spirit, to be refreshed and renewed in every way, in every area of their life. Lord, let it be so as we continue to worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let it
Well, good morning again. Uh, I know the roads are tricky out there. If you're a first-time guest, you can know we usually do a little bit better job with the parking lot. It's that lat, that 8:30, 9 a.m. Uh, attack that kind of gets us. So we're glad that you still joined us, even if you came in a little late. Uh, make yourself at home. Um, we're certainly glad that you're here, and we'd love for you to consider being part of the Cap City family. And we have so many different ways that we can help you do that. If uh, you get a chance to connect with us uh, before the end of the service, either by a connection card at the Welcome Center or um, just that QR code that's on your bulletin uh, this morning. Um, before I start um, into the message today, I want to talk to you a little bit about our pastors. There's five of us here, um, so many that do the work of a pastor, but we have five licensed or ordained pastors here, and I just thought I'd tell you what they're all up to this morning. Um, Pastor David's son-in-law, Pastor David's son-in-law, father passed away, um, and they're headed out there, he and Connie, to Dayton, um, which I'm sure is just a, a, a really fun drive uh, this morning. Um, it had been some time coming, and uh, David's son-in-law's father uh, knew the Lord was a, a godly man, and so we have no concern uh, about where he is this morning, um, but we all understand that death is while it's a part of life, we're still going to miss people, and those are very challenging times. Um, Pastor Deb uh, shared just kind of a cool testimony with me this year that her and Tom have been praying for someone for 20 years, and that person this week said they'd like to go to church. Um, and they don't, they don't live close to here, and Pastor Deb knew it wasn't going to make a lot of sense to bring her to Cap City, um, where she couldn't make connections because of the distance she lived. So Pastor Deb traveled to take that person to church um, to connect them with the church. Um, Pastor Jacob, uh, along with some others, um, was spreading salt this morning. He was shoveling the parking lot out front, um, dreaming of the church buying an ATV with a blade on the front. I think it's a good dream and one we should bring to pass. Uh, and then he moved from there uh, to work in the children's church this morning. Um, so I, I'm thankful for the work that he did there this morning. And then um, Pastor Ed, we actually sent Pastor Ed and Nan to Florida um, to be with Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm uh, is, for those of you who know Malcolm and Cindy White, he's had a long, difficult uh, battle with cancer. And I, I hope I'm not overstepping at all just to say that He's at a place where he needs a pastor to be with him, and so uh, Ed and Ann are very dear friends, uh, Malcolm and Cindy, as I know so many of you are, so he's down there this morning. So all to say that you have four pastors that aren't in this sanctuary this morning that are all doing the Lord's work, and I'm very, very, very proud of them. So why don't you give them a hand this morning? And all I have to do is preach. I know that might sound kind of funny, but honestly, that's a great blessing to a pastor that know, knows that he has such a team that when it's time to get up and preach the Word of God on Sunday morning, that everything else and everyone else is taken care of. So as we grow here as a church at Cap City, it's a big deal that we have the pastoral team, and I hope that you'll continue to understand that if you've seen any one of us, you've seen a pastor from Cap City Church. There's nothing special about me because the word lead or senior is in front of my pastor title. We want you to know that that team prays for you and is ministering to you, and quite honestly, some of them are probably just more enjoyable to hang out with, so you might be blessed uh, that you get one of them hanging out with you instead of me. Um, we've got a great, the rest of the service, just a great time today. 
Um, we're going to be presenting a, a local preacher's license. We're going to be baptizing a couple people. Um, and before that, we are going to look into the Word of God. If you want to find your way to our text this morning, it'll be Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8 to start. And we're in our third week of, of the series, REST, which we said was an acronym. The first week, Pastor Jacob brought a message on reflection. And last week, for E, I talked about embracing weakness. And this morning, I mean, when you talk about if you've got a REST acronym and you're going to talk about biblical REST, I mean, I don't know what other S could go there other than Sabbath. Um, and it's, uh, it's very interesting. I'll share with you, as we're going to talk about the Sabbath this morning, I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor this week. Very good rumor. I love to hear good rumors. Um, you know, rumor can be good or bad, but this is a r- really good rumor. I heard there was a rumor that this week, while some guys were hanging out at the church, that somebody said, let's pray that fire falls when Pastor Jonathan gets up to preach. I was like, wow, that's, I like that prayer. I think that's a good prayer. And I said, God, I'm preaching on the Sabbath. Um, I'm not preaching on confession of sin. I'm not preaching on people giving their lives to Jesus necessarily. I'm not preaching on people being called into ministry. How on earth am I supposed to preach the fire down when I'm talking about the Sabbath? I, I really do. I have the, I, I'm not like, that's not like, uh, it's not an allegory. I talk to God. I really do. Like we have these conversations and I, I feel like a lot of times I feel a little, little dumb on the backside when he goes, you don't think I can do anything that I want to. Um, and this is what he gave me to share with you. There might not be anything that could change your life more. Might not be a principle in the scriptures that could change your life more. See, one of the things that I'm concerned about as, I, as I've grown up in the evangelical church and seen how we do church, it usually looks like something that has to do with singing, which is, which is good. I love to sing. Um, it has something to do with giving an offering. It has something to do with children's church and youth group and preaching a sermon. It has something to do with an altar call and people making a decision. Sometimes some emotions are involved in that. Um, and that's what a Sunday morning looks like. Um, but there was a song uh, that Casting Crowns did probably over a decade ago now at this point called From the Altar to the Door. And it talked about how many decisions are made at the altar that never make it past the front door. And I'll tell you that, and I'm always careful um, when I share things like this, and this is where Allison's heartbeat goes up 10 or 15 beats until she figures out that I'm not going to share any family secrets. But we've learned in our marriage that you can't just, like, situations don't just change overnight. You can't just say, well, let's just start doing this, and then everything just gets better, right? You read a parenting book on how to parent. You get up and you do tip number one, and your kid doesn't magically just become a saint. You guys kind of pick up what I'm laying down there? Like, that's not how life works. You can't treat someone bad for 5, 10, 20, 30 years and get up and say, hey, I'm sorry. That's good. Say you're sorry. Be authentic about it spouse on the other side, forgive them, and expect that they're just going to magically fall in love with you, and everything's going to be hunky-dory. I can't believe I just said (laughs) hunky-dory. But a lot of times when Allison and I sit down, and we do, I hope you spend time like this with your spouse, if we just sit down and look at what's going on in our kids' lives, or our, our house, or our ministry, and say something needs to change, we might just talk about the next step. But how, how do we start that change? How do we begin to do this thing? And I'll tell you what, this is a message that I think 
could really, really change your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your relationship at work, your relationship really with everyone. Um, there's a, a, since I, we went with an acronym for rest, there's another acronym, uh, HALT, H-A-L-T, HALT. Everybody knows HALT means to stop, it's just we needed it to fit those four letters, so we use HALT instead. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, HALT. Don't do it. Whatever it is, if you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you're, going, you're about to make a bad decision. Yesterday, I was in a bad situation I'm going to tell you about. I, I got up and I, I did some things in the morning, and me and Luke went to his golf lesson, and we came home, and we got home, and it was about 2.30. And for those of you around me, no little things like this, but I don't do caffeine or coffee much after 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And I didn't really eat lunch, and I was hungry. And I, w- I had all kinds of crazy thoughts. There was roosters, there was B-dubs, there was a large pizza. I mean, I was dreaming about the whole thing, I'm not going to lie to you. Pepperoni, mushroom, and sausage with extra cheese. It was going to get real. Maybe I should just have my coffee and a little snack, and then I can eat dinner later. But man, I was hungry. Like, I, I was about to make a bad decision. So maybe I'll just have a little snack, and then I'll be able to think more clearly. Now, come on. We, we act like everything needs to be spiritual, but sometimes God just wants you to use good, common sense. One of the greatest things that fatigue does to us, the great coach Vince Lombardi would say, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And what that means is it means it messes with our reasonable thinking. When we get tired, we make unreasonable decisions. And here's the worst part about it. Our bodies, or our minds are made up in such a way that the one thing that we don't un- realize about our unreasonable decision is that it's unreasonable. And we cannot be reasoned with. I can't tell you how many times I've spent time with people in counseling or conversations and I listen to them describe the problem to me. And I just, do you just not like that? Like, do you ever, like, wouldn't it drive you crazy if you came to me as a pastor and you said I had this problem? Well, you should probably just read your Bible more and be like, Thanks, Pastor. I know. Like, it really does make a difference. I'm not making little of it, but you know there's those textbook answers. I can't tell you how many times I just want to look at somebody and say, when was the last time you had a nap? When was the last time you slept more than five hours a night? We get afraid. We make bad decisions. We're irrational. We're mean when we're tired. And we don't recognize it. That's the most dangerous part about it. Last week, um, I think so, yeah, last week, last week I was having some cell phone issues. Some of you were um, on the fortunate side of getting to receive multiple texts from me because I couldn't get texts to go through, or I didn't think they were going through, um, maybe dropped calls, different things, but I mean, I, I, couldn't, I was dropping calls, I couldn't get texts to go through, um, my internet wasn't working, and I really began to realize how much I relied on my phone throughout the day. Um, and, and maybe a little bit about when I text and drive, don't tell anybody, but um, after two or three days, I finally just went to Verizon. I had about an extra half hour in my day, so I stopped in Verizon, and I, I took my phone in, 
And uh, the guy, he was nice enough to jump me right in line because I think he knew he could fix it pretty quickly. And I handed it to him and I told him what's going on and he started to open the screen and he said, have you tried this? Yeah, I tried this. He goes, is this not working? Yeah. And then he went to his settings and he looked up at me and I knew exactly what he was going to say. And I was so perturbed. I could have almost repeated the words with him as they came out of his mouth. Have you tried to reset it? I said, you mean like turn it off and turn it back on? He goes, yeah, a lot of times they just need reset. I knew this. I, I, I knew this was the case. I used to work around some buddies in IT that said over 50% of the calls that they take, they can answer with that one, that one answer is just restart the computer. Think about this. When we restart our phones, it shuts down communication. It shuts down distractions. It shuts down things that are taking up our attention. Think about how many places in life that those things are always in our face. But you know what? For three days, do you know why I didn't go to just restarting the phone? Because I was smart enough to figure it out on my own. I was going to troubleshoot it. I was going to find a way. I didn't need to slow down and just do the thing that was prescribed most frequently. Did you know that the number one remedy still today in America that doctors prescribe is rest? Over medications, over treatment, over physical therapy, rest is still the number one remedy for everything that we're struggling with in this life. You just wonder who came up with that. So the focus on rest for us today is the Sabbath, and there is a commandment. It's the fourth commandment, and it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so just before we read our text, and you can leave it up there. Go ahead and leave the text up there. I want to talk to you for a second about the origin of this principle, because though we refer to it as the fourth of the Ten Commandments given by God to the people of, the is of Israel, it's actually the first commandment that was given. Are you aware of that? In the scriptures, the Sabbath was the first commandment that was given. In Genesis chapter 1, God was creating. And as he was creating all things, we see a distinct pattern followed in scripture for the work that he did. He created something, he looked at it, he said, it is good. And then the scriptures tell us that the evening and the morning were the first day. You might note that the scriptures put evening before morning because your day starts with rest and not coffee. I know that's offensive. So he continued to create, and the evening and the morning were the second day, and the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Then in Genesis 2-2, we see the scriptures tell us that he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. And in verse 3, we see God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. So God created everything that we see around us in six days and rested on the seventh. And so let's briefly address the importance of this. If God is powerful enough to create the entire world as we know it out of absolutely nothing, then would he have needed six days to do so? And would a God this great then need a day of rest after completing this task? The rational answer, of course, is no. So why did he take six days to create and then rest on the seventh? He did this for the exact reason that he does so many of the things that we see him doing in Scripture. He did it to set an example for us. 
the scripture that we're about to look at is, is familiar. Um, it is part of the Ten Commandments, and it was the fourth commandment that was ordained by God um, from the beginning of time. And it, was, and it essentially lays the foundations um, for this commandment as the, well, as the most well-known idea previous to the giving of the law. In other words, they were operating and understood. So when they saw the Sabbath given um, on the tablets to Moses on Mount Sinai, it was simply a reiteration that this made the top ten. This made the top ten. And so let's look at our text this morning, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, we just gave you some background to the commandment. I want to now move us ahead of the, the giving of the commandment to a scriptural response to the Sabbath. Let's see how they responded to the Sabbath in the scripture. So right before the giving of the law um, that, is, that we, see, um, we see for us in the modern scriptures in Exodus 20, in Exodus 16, the Lord gave the Sabbath to the people. You can look in Exodus 16 and see it, that the scriptures talk about the Sabbath there. The Sabbath was a gift from the Lord. With that, being said, with that being said, in order to teach the principle to the people, God made provisions for them. God made provisions for the people in Exodus 16, right? They were in the wilderness, we know this story, and bread called manna would fall daily from heaven, but just enough for one day. But on the sixth day of each week, God would bless them. God would bless them with a double portion. He would bless them with a double portion of the bread in order for the people to be able to collect and prepare the food ahead of time so that the Sabbath could be a day of complete rest and recovery. You might also note that the scriptures tell us about some, some, uh, some people that tried to pull some shenanigans and collect extra bread on the sixth day. And it said that the bread always went moldy. I thought that was pretty cool. But just like every other law that God gave the people, the people misinterpreted it. You ever misinterpreted something someone said? We do it with God all the time. The religious leaders of the time actually became oppressive with the interpretation. It was supposed to be a gift. This law was a gift for the people. And like they had done so many times, they took a gift that he had given and made it something strenuous and stressful by chalking the law with strict religions such as or regulations, excuse me, such as limiting how many steps the people could walk on the Sabbath or limiting the weight of something that they would be allowed to lift. As time would progress, we begin to see the Lord's response to the Sabbath as it is being observed, and the responses to the incorrect observations of the Sabbath are well worth noting. It's important that we understand how God interacts with a principle or a law that he gives all throughout Scripture, and we don't isolate it to one place. It's an important Bible study message for you this morning. We know Exodus 20 says, remember the Sabbath day. But listen to what else the scriptures say about the Sabbath. In, a, in Hosea chapter 2, the Lord says he has become sick 
of the people's observance, observation of the Sabbath as, as they had turned it into a ritualistic and monotonous, monotonous observation or observance that did not truly honor God. And the Lord said he would put an end to their Sabbaths. Because sometimes we read the Bible believing that it couldn't be that way today. The Lord got sick and tired of the way people were treating a 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning service. He said it made, them, it made him sick and he put an end to it. That was them, not us. In Isaiah chapter 1, the Lord speaks and says to bring your worthless offering no more. And he's not talking about money. He's talking about their rituals and the way that they're doing things that they believe make them holy when their hearts are far from him. He says that he can't even endure solemn assemblies such as the Sabbath. God got to a place where he couldn't endure it. What does it take for the Lord of the universe to no longer be able to endure something? The religious leaders oppress the people with the law. Then the people honor the Sabbath in a physical sense. In other words, they keep coming to church, but their hearts despise the ceremonial perception of the law. So Jesus shows up. Jesus comes on the scene in Mark chapter 2. The disciples are picking food for themselves to eat on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders of the time ask why they are breaking the law. And Jesus responds, don't you get it? I wonder how many times Jesus looks at the church and says, don't you get it? The Sabbath was made for man, not the other way around. When Jesus came, he came to show us that the law will choke us to death if we do not allow ourselves to be led by the spirit of the law, which gives life. Can I just dig into this for a minute? It's not in the notes. It's an extra minute or two. We won't sing any songs when I'm done. I was part of a Bible study yesterday. And there was a, part, there was a question in, in the Bible study that asked the question, who is Jesus to you? And I thought for a moment, you know who I think Jesus is to most people? He's simply the moderator of bad and good. If I do bad, he's going to strike me down. He's gonna, I'm going to send him and do something wrong. He stands waiting to judge. If I do good, maybe he'll bless me or treat me a little bit better. And if you're struggling to find your way to Jesus today, it might be because that's where your perception stops. Jesus wants to be everything for you. When he gave those laws, people used them as a tool to oppress people, to keep them under control, to abuse them. That is not who Jesus is. That's not the way the Holy Spirit works. He gave laws to you to protect you, to, to bless you, to give you good things. And your understanding of Jesus has to go far beyond someone that you just pray to when you're sick or your friend is sick and between someone who just judges right and blesses good. He wants to be your everything. Paul would teach the church at Corinth that the letter of the law kills a man, but the Spirit gives life. And so with all these references in mind, let's look back at our primary text and unpack it a little bit so that we can consider what our response and application should be. First, rest starts with work. Rest starts with work. Looking at verse 9 of our passage again, today it says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now, Here's, the, here's one of the mistakes that we've made over time. And what I'm going to, uh, the best way I can think to say it is too many people 
are walking around as adult Christians with a Sunday school or children's church understanding of scriptures. Now, the way that we teach our children is very, very important, and I love the things that my children come home having learned about the Bible and the stories and the principles that are there. But we teach them that way because they're children. But if you'll read the New Testament, there's something there that says, after a while, you should be someone that can eat meat and no longer need milk. But you've stayed in a protracted state of infancy in your spiritual walk to where you just looking at the scripture from a child's point of view, a five-year-old, a 10-year-old, but you've gained so much understanding, you should be understanding the scriptures at a deeper level now as well. And so what happens is in children's church, we slap a poster up. I mean, I don't know if we use posters anymore. We put it on a projector or something. And it's going to have, we're going to teach the kids to memorize the Ten Commandments, which is a great thing to do. And those one-sentence lines are great. But if you look at Exodus 20 or other versions of the, of the, of the law that are given throughout the, uh, the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible, it's much more than those ten lines. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You should be working for six days. That's what it says. Six days you shall work. And as many of you know, and if you don't, I'm going to introduce you to this fact. I am a math nerd. I, they, I, the term mathlete was not coined when I was in high school, but if, I'm sure I would have been on the team. And this commandment gives us basic instructions for seven days. So if the commandment says six days you shall work and one day you shall rest, that means that obeying this commandment, or 85% of this commandment is actually telling us to work. There's no real way around it. We need to be working. If you are in any way capable of attaining any job and you make a choice to continue to stay in a situation that is creating a burden or taking advantage of others, this is incorrect. You are keeping others from being able to rest. If you're here today and you're choosing to not work because you can't find a job that meets your standards or you think it does not pay well enough, you need to consider today that you are creating a burden for those around you. So we work, to remove, we, we work first to support ourselves and remove the burden from others to support us. But beyond that, the, beyond the way our work ethic may, may or may not affect our society, let's talk about how work allows us to rest. Work allows you to rest. I keep lists. I have plans. For some of you, by the way. I have agendas. I have deadlines. I have appointments. And I bet a bunch of you do too. And I don't know about you, but I sure do love the endorphin rush that comes from checking off that to-do list or wrapping up my responsibilities for the day, the week, or the month. I'm not going to lie. When I, when I hear someone say they struggle to sleep, I wonder if maybe they don't need to expend a little bit more energy working. And if that's offensive to you this morning, it's probably because that's the case. When we don't work, we are restless. Restless. Less of rest, right? We are without rest. Restlessness is usually something that is associated with things being off. Something's off, so I'm restless. 
There is probably nothing that makes me more restless than a day that seemed unproductive, whether it was or not. You ever get to the end of the day and go, man, I just didn't get anything done today. I hope it's a rare occasion. In fact, one of the things I, I started doing, I mentioned this, is I started, I started journaling at the end of the day, and I'm just very simply writing what I did that day to make sure there's enough on that list to justify my existence. That I'm not stealing too much oxygen from everybody else to do what God's called me to do. There is probably nothing that makes me more restless than that unproductive day. Ultimately, sometimes we can't find rest because we are not at rest with the situations in our life. Doing work with purpose and on purpose to provide for our families and bring honor to God brings rest to our souls and minds and allows us to truly rest as we should. Now, if you enjoyed that point quite a bit, you might be a little self-righteous. I'm going to help you with this. You ready? Just right in the face this morning, huh? It's, you're the group that made it through the snow and through the bad roads, so I'm going to assume you're the tough ones and you're the ones that can handle this. Somebody was in there going, yeah, get everybody off welfare and disability and unemployment. Look, I think all those things are super important. I believe that they're one of the greatest things that America does. I didn't say I'm okay with the people that abuse them. I'm not okay with where those things are allowed to be abused. But let's flip to the other side of the coin. Busyness is not a badge of honor. Busyness is not a badge of honor. Some of us that work, work too much. Did you hear me this morning? You're working too much. Not if you're part of the first group. You need to work more. That's what I love about the Bible. It doesn't really matter where you are. He's got something for you. Busyness is not a badge of honor. We often ask, we go up to somebody, hey, how's it going? Oh, you know, busy, 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 busy. I know somebody. I won't tell you. I won't even hint. I know somebody that will tell you that, and they spend six hours a day scrolling on social media on their phone. They feel like they're busy. They're busy with something. Everybody's busy. Did you know that? It's what business that you're about. What business are you being about with your busyness? But we love to reply that way. Oh, you know, we are busy, busy, busy. We do this so that people don't think that we're lazy. We do this to affirm ourselves in what we are or might not be accomplishing. But at the end of your life, is that what you want to be able to say? I was busy. I was recently reviewing a book that Francis Chan wrote, and he was looking... And he was, he was, he said, if he was, he's in his 40s writing this, and he said, if I could go back and talk to my 25-year-old, I'd tell them three things. Or my 25-year-old self, he'd say, he said, marry your wife, it's going to be a good choice. He said, don't worry about your oldest daughter, she's going to turn out fine. And you'll never be upset that you spent more time sitting quietly with God. We're so, so busy, church. We're so, so busy. And I've started to do this, so be careful what you say around your pastor. When many people think they are boasting by sharing how busy they are, I've often wanted to ask, are you spending any time with your family? 
Are you spending any time with God? Are you doing anything to enjoy life? What example are you setting for your children? When you're riding in your car on the way home from a 12-hour day, can you honestly say, this is exactly what I want my children to model? I want them to have this exact same feeling that I'm feeling right now. Your 10-year-old does not want to play on four sports teams. You want them to play on four sports teams. Your family doesn't care about your next promotion. You care about your next promotion. God doesn't even necessarily care about the success of your ministry. He cares about an intimate relationship between you and him. I'll tell you what. This is, this is another. I've, I've got all kinds of free ones this morning. Maybe you're upset that God's not using you. Maybe you're upset that this pastor's not using you. What if you just said, maybe God, you're not using me because you just want to get my attention and you want me to spend a little bit more time with you. I'll bet if you'll do that, you'll find yourself being useful again pretty soon. I stood by, I mean, I had just been around the church my whole life, and I've been around pastors my whole life. I stood by and watched as the last generation of pastors boasted about how much they worked, and now we're also finding out that they get to boast about how they got burnt out, left the ministry early, failed morally, and the next generation didn't want to follow in their footsteps. So I have to work, Jonathan, that's what you're telling me, yes. But I can't work too much, yes, I'm saying that as well. How do I know when I work too much? How do I know when I'm not working enough? These are the kind of questions that God answers when we slow down enough to rest and hear his voice. God has made us to have rhythms, to stop once a week and evaluate our pace and our purpose. I do this every week, and I would encourage you to do it soon. Every week, stop and consider your pace and your purpose. Where am I spending my time, and what am I spending it on? And I believe if you do that, you can find your way to peace. So then, we have to rest to reset. We have to rest to reset. We need to understand that according to the word of God, the Sabbath was a gift given from God to allow us to recharge our batteries and slow down from the busyness of life. By doing this, we honor God and allow ourselves to be renewed to work for him. So why a Sabbath? If I haven't given you enough reason or enough to think about at this point, why did God say that we need to take a day off? Here's five solid reasons that you could take with you. They should have been in a PowerPoint or a handout, but I'll just trust you to grab the one that you need to hear the most this morning. Number one, God will one day hold us each accountable for the things that he created us to enjoy, but we refuse to do so. He gave them the whole garden, and they got hung up on one piece of fruit. Number two, God humbles our soul on a Sabbath. You need to be humbled. A lot of times we get so busy we think we're accomplishing something and we forget how small we are. Number three, it's good for us to wean ourselves off the need to be needed. For many of us, this will be the beginning of health. You're going to die and it's going to keep spinning. I know there's been a lot of leaders and great people and big influences way bigger than Jonathan Barker. Way, way bigger than Jonathan Barker. And we kept figuring it out with the passing of each one. Number four, God started each day in the evening 
and not in the morning. Your day does not begin when you get up. It starts when you go to sleep. Many of you, I, I know this is so super spiritual. Some of you just need to turn Netflix off and go to bed. For the love, man. Like, <laughs> just go to sleep. It's a gift that God's given you. And number five, here it is if you were zoned out for the first four. During our time of solitude, we are able to hear from God. And when we're not quiet, quiet, we're dealing with all the competing voices. So as much as many of us might think we're machines or even boast in that, we most certainly are not. Busyness is not of the devil, it is the devil. It has been said that if the devil cannot cause you to sin, he will cause you to be busy. Many times we're able to look at scripture and easily avoid certain sins because the apparent harm to others is easy to see. For example, we all understand how killing is harmful to others. That's such an easy one, right? But if we considered lately how our busyness might affect those around us, you might say, I'm doing okay. Well, nobody around you likes you anymore. We often justify our busyness by saying that we're rested enough or we don't need a vacation or we enjoy our work. But what about the people close to you? I believe that some of us are so busy that we bring stress to those who are important in our lives and have not yet realized that just as much as we need to be, be rested ourselves, the people around us deserve to have a well-rested version of us. We need to begin to rest today before our poor health demands it, before we alienate those around us, before our relationship with God suffers any further. Newton's first law of motion states that an object in motion tends to stay in motion, and we are no different. During a conversation with a friend, they told me that they almost have to work to make themselves sit still. I fall into that category. I don't know if you do or not. And I thought, that is exactly what we need to do. We need to work to make ourselves sit still. Our rest needs to be intentional. So how do I rest, Jonathan? How do I rest? Well, the number one answer is go play golf, right? You know that. But maybe that is it for you. Maybe you need to go fishing. I have a pastor friend I used to pastor with, and every once in a while I just send him a text and say, have you been fishing lately? Do some scrapbooking. I hear people do those things. Woodworking. Hang out with the kids. Go shopping. Watch the game. Spend a deeper, more intimate time in devotion with, your, with God. Some of you are so frazzled, so overwhelmed. You've been busy for so long. It, it will drive you mad just to begin to rest. Fight through it. Fight through it to find that place where God can begin to speak to your soul again. This is, just, this is, a, this is one just kind of help you out as we, pre, you know, it's, this is such a big subject. I used to host a messianic, uh, a messianic, a Jewish messianic congregation in the church I previously pastored in. I got to see a lot of how they interpreted scripture and how they managed things. And they do a lot of wonderful stuff, but I'm going to be real with you. We're in an evangelical church uh, full of mostly middle-class people that are, are bombarded by the media and all these different things that are coming at us, and we don't, the, the world doesn't stop on Sundays anymore. So does the Sabbath have to be on Sunday? Absolutely not. If you want to know why I believe that, you can read Colossians chapter 2 and Romans chapter 14. Come to church on Sunday and be with the family of God, and if Sunday's a good day for you to take your Sabbath and go home and enjoy the day with your family... But the principle is rest. 
and something, somewhere in this thing, we must remember that we're honoring God. We're honoring God by taking a day off, by taking a free day off. I know, I know. And like I said, we're not going to sing after this, so I'll take just another minute or two. There are none of you that just watch vacation days expire at the end of the year. And if you do, we need to figure out how you can transfer those to me. At very least, you cash them out, but nobody ends the year and goes, well, I have 17 days that are just going to expire. What kind of crazy person? And yes, if you're doing it, I'm calling you crazy. We have to take rest, and we honor God when we receive this rest. rest. Ask God to restore you. Hear his voice. Ask him to slow you down and change the busy lifestyle. Change the busy lifestyle that's there. I mentioned earlier that the number one solution to prevent and remedy most physical pain in the life is rest. Maybe there's a chance your mind or spirit could be healed with that rest at all. And let me, let me just warn you, church, be careful. If, if you're not careful, the way you can justify your works could have a whole lot to do with you not wanting to spend time with your family, not wanting to be at home, saying we need more so that you can be away more. You're not fooling anybody but yourself. We talked about that last week because everybody else around you sees it and understand it. You should be comfortable being in your living room with the people that you love that love you, and that should be okay. As we wrap up today, I'll share with you the biggest revelation on the Sabbath for me this week, and that was that when God provided manna to the people in the wilderness, he gave enough food for every day, but twice as much for the Sabbath, right? We already stated that. And that when they collected extra, it got moldy. First off, I wonder how much cruddy work we're producing when we exhaust ourselves. That was the principle there, right? Like, you're going to get to a point where what you're doing doesn't even produce anything. And I wonder how many times we've missed out on a double portion of what God wants to give because we aren't giving him space to give it to us. I said it was a revelation, but I'll tell you what, really more than anything, it was a conviction that God wants to do more in my life if I would rest more. He wants to come through. He wants to handle those things that we don't seem to see the answer for. He wants to give double portion to you if you'll give him space to do it. I, I'm going to do something evil to you guys right now, if you're, and, you, and you'll understand what I'm saying here in just a minute. Chick-fil-A. Doesn't that sound good for lunch? You get what I'm saying, right? I always want Chick-fil-A on Sunday, every Sunday. They know what they're doing. From the beginning, by design, they were going to say, even if this world keeps spinning, our organization is going to stop spinning for one day. And it makes you go to Chick-fil-A more than you understand on Monday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I have got Chick-fil-A on a Saturday before because I realized I wasn't going to be able to get it on a Sunday. It's a real principle. They're, they're a living, breathing example of it, of it. A renewed mind, a renewed body, a renewed spirit and outlook are all waiting for you on the other side of Sabbath rest. You will never, ever hear me in any venue be upset with somebody that says, I think it'd be better if I just took the day off. If I just took the day off, it's going to be okay. 
Let's pray. Father, this morning I pray that while maybe receiving this message as, as one that could change our lives might not be a highly emotional one or one that causes us to jump up and down, but Lord, instead that we would understand that it's, it's probably the thing that could change our life the most if we would get our schedules in order, if we would make time for you, if we would make time for our families, if we would make time to enjoy the life that we spend the rest of our time working towards. Help us to honor you with this, God. Help us to receive this free gift. Help people to leave this place today and have conversations in the car ride on the way home, in the living room when they get there, at the restaurant where they go to eat, and say, I bet we could rest a little bit more. What do we need to do to make it happen? And God, I pray that when they do this, that you'll, you will show yourself to them and pour out a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you, if you didn't get all that, here's your assignment this week. Spouse, make sure you're rested. Spouse, make sure your spouse is rested. Spouse, make sure your children are rested. Everyone, make sure your pastor is rested. Is that good? Take care of you. Take care of your spouse. Take care of your children. And come be involved in the ministry and help, the, help with the burden of doing the work of God. So um, these kids are all marching in. We're excited for them because um, we've got two great things we're about to do. Um, that we want them to see and be a part of. And so we're going to transition here um, just as hopefully as easily as we can. Um, and here in just a second, I'm looking for my guy. There he is. You stay right there, Steve. <laughs> um, we're going to talk to Steve in just a minute. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to read for you what we're about to do is we're about to present a local preacher's license. Our church is part of the, the Christ and Christian Union denomination. And uh, we have a process by where someone accepts the call to ministry and says that they want to move towards ordination. And I'm going to just share a brief excerpt for you from our manual about what that looks like. And then we're going to invite Steve and, and uh, his family to come up and, to, and we're going to present this license to them. So um, reading from the Christ and Christian Union manual, um, all applicants for a local preacher's license shall be required to be a member of a local church for at least one year before receiving any local license, except in the case of a person coming from another church with proper recommendation. At the end of such a period, the local church at a business meeting, by a majority vote, may grant a local preacher's license to the applicant who has the approval of the District Board of Examination regarding doctrine, divorce, and remarriage. Their license shall be subject to annual approval of the District Board of Examination and a majority vote of the local church. This license must be renewed annually for a period of at least two years before application may be made for council license, which would be the next step. A local license minister, in order to have a local ministerial license renewed, must have complied with and completed any and all studies prescribed by the General Board of Examination and Ordination for the continuation of a local ministerial license. Now, for those of you that are licensed in different areas, you know how things work. You get a license, you have to get checked in on, you have to meet requirements, and you keep doing that until you earn that highest form of certification in whatever the said organization is. And I'm thankful for an organization that holds uh, individuals like Steve accountable. Um, it's a process that I've been through, and Pastor David, and Pastor Ed's working through, and Pastor Deb's been through, and Pastor Jacob's working through. 
Um, and so I'm thankful for that, that it's no small thing for someone to answer the call and why we want to get you involved right away, that a call to be a leader means a call to be accountable and, a call, and accountable to put the work in to do so. So at this time, I'm going to invite Steve and Diana Nelson uh, to come up here on stage with me. And uh, I'm going to talk about them for, for just a second. Um, I mentioned to you, I, I know Pastor Ed and the reason we kind of go to a place where we say goodbye to the live stream and we're not doing that right now. Um, with the hopes that they can be with us online, but Pastor Ed Davis, I mentioned, are with us, uh, are, are, are probably with us online. Uh, they're down with Malcolm and Cindy today in Florida, and I know he would have loved to be here, and uh, I probably would have let him talk instead of me this morning. Um, but when it comes to Steve, and, and you have to understand, he's been at this church longer than I have. Um, he's been working in this local area in ministry more than I have. And I'll tell you what I'm very, very thankful for, as I already mentioned about the pastors at Capital City Church here earlier, um, to which Steve's about to become a part of, uh, is how much work they do outside the four walls. You don't want your pastors spending all their time inside these four walls. Monday through Saturday, there aren't new people hanging out here for us to win to Jesus. And uh, Steve is highly involved in ministry, and, and if, I think I'm allowed to say Pastor Ed's been discipling him, and they've been walking together as disciples of Christ and doing ministry outside the four walls, and I'm thankful for that. I know Steve's praying, and he's taking classes, and he's doing the things that need to be taken. I, I appreciate his humble spirit. I, I appreciate the way that his family's around him in church. Um, he wasn't a pastor, so he didn't get mentioned earlier, but I love that he came in today with dress shoes and dress pants on and put his parking uh, jacket on to go out and serve and try to help some people get parked. So he's a consummate servant, and I'm so thankful for him. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lay hands on them, um, you know, kind of by the power vested in me kind of thing, right, Steve? Um, as an ordained pastor, recognizing the Christ of Christian Union Church. And so I'm just going to ask you this morning that as I pray for him, if you feel led to just join us in prayer as we affirm his call to ministry. So Father, we thank you this morning for Pastor Steve, God, and for his call to ministry. Lord, for the time that I know he's toiled and wrestled with this call, and Lord, that he's accepted the call. Lord, it's such a big deal, as I know that you're calling so many unto yourself, that he has acknowledged that you are calling him to a deeper level of relationship with him, that you're calling him, God, to a deeper work, to serve the church, to preach the word, God, in season and out of season. We pray that you will protect him, Lord, that you'll help him to maintain spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible reading, God, that you'll help him to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, to protect his wife and his family. God, we pray for Diane this morning that you'll give her the strength to walk along him as a pastor's wife, God, and understand that there will be trials and tribulations and persecution, God, but that you have them in the palm of your hand, God, that you are watching over them, that your angels are keeping guard, and Lord, that they are going to be held to a higher level of accountability, not so much by man, but by you, God, because we know that we'll be held to a higher level because we have been called to teach and preach. And so now, Lord, we do present and, and affirm Pastor Steve's calling uh, of this local preacher's license. And God, we pray that you would continue to open doors and that he would be able to have the strength and the faith and the wisdom to know which ones to walk through. And we ask these things in the saving name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, can we give them a hand this morning? That's nice. You can do it. This is the helpful one. Keep it in your pocket. Love you guys. Okay, so Jacob's going to be coming out, and they can make their way out if they're ready. We have two baptisms. 
I know that sometimes that baptisms mean family members are here that aren't normally, and I don't know how shy or forward you are, but you get to be wherever you want to watch this. And I mean, you can stand right here if you want. Um, we like you to, uh, our baptistry, you just saw Jacob disappear, right? So it's down in the stage. Um, what do we think, Joel? Are we going to be up here? No, maybe? Up screens? No? We don't think so. Oh, every once in a while, Joel's, what's up, guys? Oh, okay, cool. So we might, yeah, okay, so I think we're going to try to put it up here so you guys can see it. Um, this, I should have it more together than this, right? But um, we're going to have it up here so you see it. But seriously, if, if you know friend, family, and you want to come be at a place where you can see uh, the baptism, please uh, be willing to do that. I think this is uh, the sixth baptism in the last 11 weeks. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's good. And we're going to keep opening the tank. If you have, and I'm going to turn things over to Jacob here in just a second, and he's going to take the rest of the show. If you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized, Jesus wants you to be baptized. We'll open the tank every single week for people to be baptized. You're never an inconvenience, and you never know where your witness, where your testimony might urge others to do that. That's what the Bible tells us, is that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together so that we can encourage one another to good works. When you give your life to Christ and get baptized, you are encouraging others to do so. And don't miss out on the opportunity to inspire someone else to give their life to Jesus. That's your mission now. So uh, let's, uh, let's, watch the, let's watch this. Let's uh, enjoy this. And uh, by all means, he'll probably say it again, but let's celebrate this today, right? No golf claps. You know I love the sport, but no golf claps today. We're having a party, right? First off, can everybody hear me? All right, good. Either way, I'm loud, so you shouldn't have a problem. Um, first off, we always want to make a big point. This is, hands down, the biggest decision a Christian can make. Um, it's one thing to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to acknowledge that he has saved you from your sins. It's a whole different thing to outwardly express to the world, this is the way I'm choosing to live. Um, in Scripture... In Scripture, every time that someone was baptized, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is God and Spirit, and He leads and directs us, gives us discernment and wisdom. And so what we prayed for these young people um, backstage was that the Holy Spirit would invade their lives and they would begin to live for Christ. And so these are bold declarations, all right? And so when, when these young people take the baptism waters, we want you to cheer, we want you to clap, you can do a shout, you can jump. Um, heaven forbid we celebrate the goodness of God and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all right? And so that's what we're going to do today. And so first up is Brianna. Uh, yep, give it. Brianna is a young, uh, a young lady who has been in our junior church for several years, came over with us from Hope Central on the merger. Uh, her family all attends the church. They're a blessing. Um, they're her older siblings are in youth group, uh, but she has just been so excited for this. Um, and, and people around me have been talking to me and going, I can't wait to see her get baptized. And so we're proud of her today. 
Her name is Brianna Perry, and so we're going to baptize her today, all right? Dear Lord God, we pray for Brianna. Lord God, we pray that you would fill her with the Holy Spirit. And in this time and in this season, Lord God, give her all wisdom, knowledge, and discernment. Lord, we baptize her in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Next up is Owen, and he will be joined by his mother, Maggie. Maggie, uh, yep, yeah, we'll clap. Uh, Maggie was baptized, how many years ago, Maggie? 2015. And so it's been a pleasure to watch Owen grow in his faith walk. Um, he has been a young man that I have intentionally prayed for over the last couple years. Um, and so it's been a blessing to kind of see him make these decisions. Um, when I went out with uh, his, his mom and him for breakfast, we were talking about it because I always want to talk to people about their faith walk. And, and obviously at 10 years old, you always have a hard time maybe explaining it. I said, but here's the big question. Have you given your life to Jesus? And before I could even finish the sentence, he said, yes, Absolutely. And so we don't need a perfect explanation for it. We don't need a perfect explanation. We just need to know that Jesus is our Savior. All right? And so we're going to baptize Owen today. Hands down, my favorite thing to do. And so uh, a few things here. Um, we're going to take up our morning tithes and offerings. We're going to pray for you. Nope, nope, sorry, missed something. Apologize, missed something. Um, and so here's what we're going to do. I do want to let you know this, though. The snow has continued to come down. We will have people out by the doors. We will be walking people to their cars. So please be safe. Look out for one another. Make sure that you are going where you need to go. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help to your car, all right? There will be plenty of people around. Um, but be safe, safe travels. We love you. We'll see you next week. 